great. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 27 and Acts chapter 20. We'll be in Acts 27 to 28. I want to, I want to finish up the book of Acts today. Um, I'd like to get started in 2 Timothy next week. Um, but we want to, we want to look at, at the closing of the book of Acts. And as I prayed, as I prayed earlier, as I pray, we, as Mary and I prayed this morning, the thing that really sticks out to me about Acts, the key thing about Acts, and I've never know, I've never preached through Acts before. I've always taught it in Bible college, which is kind of technical. But what I what I noticed is the tremendous tenacity of God's people. I mean, Paul has from the very beginning, very beginning of Acts in chapter one, the disciples are said, "Ye shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria." and the uttermost parts of the earth. He commissions the church to share the gospel, a task that we still have today. We still have the we still have the task of sharing the gospel with friends and neighbors and 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 people that we come in contact with. Um and, and, so, and but but what they I noticed I look back and about chapter 8 or 9 the whole story becomes the story of Paul's ministry. But Peter and John and all the rest of these guys they went through jail they were beaten, they were flogged, they were stoned, they were arrested. All kinds of terrible things happened. Then when Paul takes over, Paul goes through any The list of things Paul goes through is absolutely astounding. He keeps plodding away. And way earlier on, way back in chapter 19, verse 21, Paul said, I need to go to Rome to preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, he wrote to the Romans, I want to come see you as soon as I can. Um, Acts 23, God promised him he'd preach in Rome. He was going to get there. And today, Paul finally gets to Rome. After all the struggles, after all the trials, the beatings, everything else. But it's going to be kind of, I'm not going to really preach on the trip that much because I want to get to the end. I want to get to the focus of the passage. So we're going to kind of quickly go through the adventure of getting there. And then we're going to see how Paul wraps things up. And as we wrap things up, we're going to look at the, the book of Second Timothy. And that will be an introduction for the new series starting next week. Alright, sound like a plan? Now, buckle up, because we're going to move quick through his journey. So put your seatbelts on, We're going to go because we want to, we want to get him to Rome. Um, let's pray. And we'll get, we'll get, we'll get started. Father, we thank you for our chance to, um, be here this morning. As we wrap up the book of Acts, we've been in it for about a year now off and on. Lord, I pray that you would help us to catch a glimpse of the tenacity of this special man of God. He knew you had called him to Rome, Lord, and he determined that he would get by, get to Rome by any means possible. Lord, he was, oh my goodness, he beaten, imprisoned, um, Arrested several times, opposed, stoned, left for dead, and yet he kept going because he knew he had to get to Rome. So I pray that you might bless our study, Lord. Help us to be challenged by his stick to In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like reading missionary biographies. One of my favorite missionary biographies is one that's simply entitled William Carey. William Carey was, um, is, is, is kind of generally known in evangelical Christian circles. He's kind of known as just God's plotter. Because William Carey went and he, he, it took him 14 years before he saw his first convert saved. And then that convert took off and was gone. And it was 20 some years before Paul, before William Carey began to see some success in his ministry. 
And we find out that God's men do that. God's men, God's men who are going, who, 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 and God's men and God's women who are successful are the ones who are faithful. If Paul had never succeeded, he still would have been a success in God's eyes because he was faithful. God says it's commanded in stewards that a man be found faithful. So let's jump in here, chapter 27. The boys have got some answer sheets. I may, um, they're filling out some questionnaires as we go through the chapter. Uh, now, we start out in chapter 27, verse 1, and this is where the trip to Rome begins. Paul wasn't a preacher. He was a learned man. Verses 1 through 8, everything's going okay. They're headed to Rome. Nobody is suspecting the difficulties they're going to, they're going to face. So it went, the verses 1 through 8 of chapter 27, the first part of the journey goes rather, um, rather simply. Now, in verses 9 and 10, look what happens here. Paul must have been a brilliant man. Now, when, um, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the, of the fast, uh, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, men, I perceive that the voyage is, will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo, but the ship and of our lives. So Paul advised them. Paul was a man. Now remember, he, he, he was primarily a preacher, right? That was his primary purpose to share the gospel. But he was also able to give good practical advice. And we need to be, we need to be sure that as we're sharing the gospel, we're, we're able to just help people in general. Um, so they set out anyway. They were hoping to get to, they were hoping to get the trip made before winter. And tragically for them, a big storm hit. In verses 13 through 19, when the, when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, they put out to sea and they sailed close to Crete. They thought they were going to make it. But not, but, um, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, they let her drive. They just let the ship go. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. So this tremendous storm comes up and they're cast about. Down in verse 20, they give up all hope. Now when the sun or stars had appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on, beat on, beat on us, all hope we could be saved were finally given up. So Paul stands in their midst. He says, men, you shouldn't listen to me. I love that. And not have sailed from Crete and ensure this disaster and loss. And now I have, I urge you to take heart. He encouraged them to keep on going. There will be no loss of life among you, but only if, only of the ship. Therefore, for therefore, for there stood by my, sorry, I need new glasses. Uh, for more stood in me this night an angel of the Lord, who, who I belong to, who I serve, saying, do not be afraid. Paul and must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God had granted you the all the God had granted all those who sail with you. Paul says here, Paul takes this chance. It's amazing. Paul is on this ship, all right? He's a prisoner. And the first time he has a chance to talk on the ship, what does he tell the people? I'm a Christian. Right? You see that? He takes the stand and says, I'm a Christian. We watched a film last night. I want to be able to share it. I don't know when or how to share it called Courageous. And at one point in that film, one of the actors, one of the characters asked the other character, who are you? And he says, I'm a basketball coach. And he says, I'm a teacher. And, he, and down the list, he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And the older Christian said, why is that so far down your list? 
And he was encouraging him. Our first response when somebody says us, what are you? Or who are you? And our first response, I can't imagine the difference we'd make if we said this. My name's Roger. And I'm a child of God. Can you imagine the difference that would make? The people are going to look at, look at us like we're a nutter. They will. And then a little girl gets saved, the, 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 the track star, she gets saved and she comes into a drama presentation and she gives a tremendous, beautiful testimony about being a child of God. Paul has the courage to let it known from the very, very beginning. He's on a ship. The ship is in a storm. Now picture this. He's not sitting in some comfortable office over a cup of tea. Okay? He's not driving. He is in a ship that's going to crash. He knows it's going to crash. He knows the ship's going to be decided. And he says, I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of God. I serve God. I told you this was going to happen. And I'm a child of God. And God encouraged me that everything is going to be okay. And time goes by. He said, we're gonna, we, he says, we're gonna run aground. And then we get down to verse 27. Any of you guys know how long the storm lasted? Anybody there yet? Uh, I'll try to keep it in order. Let's start with Hudson. 14, two weeks of a storm. I get seasick, I get carsick as soon as I get in the car if I'm not driving. And they spent 14 days they spent in this storm. So he tells them, yeah, two days of rain, two days of rain. We cry about 14 days. He's in this windy storm. And, um, so just a little thing here, uh, to keep the boys in the, in the, in the passage. They took their soundings. They found it to be 20 fathoms. They gone away. They found it to be, um, 15 fathoms. So it's getting the waters. What that means is the water is getting shallower and shallower. And how many anchors do they drop boys to try to calm down the ship? Um, William, you're next. They dropped four anchors, so they were trying to they were trying to skirt to secure this ship. I wish I was a better storyteller. Okay, I'd love to be able to dramatize this story with talking about the wind, but I'm not a great storyteller. But they're in this storm, and they drop four anchors, and then what happens? Um, who's next? AJ, can you tell me next? What did they happen when they secured the ship? They dropped their anchors. They prayed. Why do you think they prayed? You think they prayed because Paul had been a testimony? I'm sorry? Go ahead, Will. Why do you think they prayed? AJ. The best thing they could do. They were stuck. Sometimes we pray the same way, don't we? Things are so bad, I've got to pray now. Alright, we get, and that's, that's a tragic thing. Paul been praying all along. And they now say, well, they're, they're, they're kind of like, remember the guys that, that, um, dealt with, with Jonah? The ship people, they did the same thing. When it got really bad, they prayed. Now, prayer should not be our last resort by any means. So they, they, um, they secure, they, 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 they've got the ship secured. Uh, they had not eaten in days and days and days. And finally, they come down. They have a shipwreck. Uh, verse 20, chapter 28, verse 1. David, um, where did they land? Malta. They landed on the island of Malta. And this is where Paul has a great chance to be a testimony. So they've had their shipwreck. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I left one out. What do you guys tell me? How many people survived the crash? Go back to HUD. Everybody survived. AJ? How many? 300, is it 376? Yeah. 276 people on the ship. That's a big ship. 
And they all survived just like God had promised. What this is telling us is, is that these people saw Paul's God working in the midst of a storm. And our, so our testimony in the midst of a storm ought to be exactly the same thing. We ought to have the same, um, the same attitude that they have. He was a good example. He prayed and he rescued them. So let's just apply a couple of things here. Like I said, I want to get to the end. Um, sorry if I'm rushing through this and I warned you it was going to happen until we get him to Rome. But there are four major applications about storms. We all go through storms of life. We've all been there. We might be going through a storm of life right now. Um, a troublesome time. You can't see the way out of the storm. It's dark and it's gloomy and the wind's howling and rain is lashing down. And it just feels like, how am I going to get through this? Well, storms have a purpose. And there's four things I think we can pick out about storms from this story. The first is that storms can come even when we're walking with God. Isn't that something? Paul was perfectly in the center of God's will. A lot of times people say storms don't come if you're walking with God. Troubles don't come if you're walking with God. But storms do come even when we're walking with God. I can look at back at times and remember when I thought we were really walking well with the Lord and storms came. But they happen. They're part of life because we live in a broken world. We're going to get bad news. The storm is going to happen and it's not a mark of, of a certain kind of sin. Another thing that storms do, and this really showed through in this situation, storms reveal God, reveal our character. Paul proved himself somebody who trusted God during this storm. And man, I wish during the storms that, that I've been through, I wish I had shown people around me even more that my character is to trust God. I'm not going to be rattled by this storm because I believe God and I trust God. But I can be as bad as the next person about whinging and crying about what's going on and how bad it is and how rough things are. But storms reveal our character. We swim. It shows our mettle when we go through a tough time of life. <clears throat> another thing storms, another thing about storms is storms can't hide God's face. Isn't that amazing? God's face is never hidden by the storm. It may be dark and gloomy. Nothing else might, might be there. But they can't, to the true believer, storms cannot hide God's face. I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago we are talking about... Um, not seeing God in the troubles and not seeing where God was during the difficult times. But storms can't, guide, can't hide God's face unless, unless we look away. And then storms also give us a chance to help others. That's our great opportunity. When, th- when things have gone bottom up, that gives us Christians a chance to stand out. Um, I, have a, I read a book suggested by, by an atheist friend called The Atheist Dilemma. And The Atheist Dilemma, I can't believe this guy gave me this book to read, but The the Atheist Dilemma through the millennia has been when Christians act like Christians. They don't have an answer for that. And that's what this book is all about. Things that Christians have done in the past that they people don't have an answer for. So when storms come... Rather than joining the panic and rather than jumping on the bandwagon, we ought to keep showing our faith in God. And we live in a pretty troublesome time, pretty confusing time right now, don't we? Yet God is there and we need to, we need to show our character and we're the the kind of people that trust God even in the storms. Um, 
I like I like something else that happened here. Uh, I don't know who's next. What was um, what was Paul doing when the snake bit him, guys? William, what's, what was Paul doing when the snake bit him? Putting sticks on the fire. Why would I stop and talk about that? Who was the hero of the hour? Who should have been lifted up on their shoulders? They're saying, "Yay, Paul! Paul's the one! Paul's the one! Paul! 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 Paul!" He should have been the hero of the hour. But what was this hero of the hour doing? Picking up wood for the fire, right? He's picking. That's how God's people are meant to be. I think that's a real physical example of what the Bible says in Philippians when it says that when Jesus was in heaven, he didn't think he didn't think holding on to God's image was something he had to hold on to. But he came to earth and he humbled himself. That's a real picture of what God's people do. There is no work that should be beneath God's people. There are things we shouldn't be involved in, but there are no there is no work that should be beneath God's people. Here is Paul, the hero of the hour. Probably could have been elected king of that area, but he was out picking up sticks. I told you the story about Pastor Lane in Augusta, Georgia. Um, a man much like much like that. Um, I think I, I'm sure I told you the story at one point or other. We went to the church and we're looking for the pastor, and the secretary sees he's down the hall. And so I'm going down the hall, and the, the gents' toilet is open. I look inside the gents' toilet, and guess where Pastor Lane was? He wasn't. No, he not that. Here he was, bent over the toilet bowl, rubber gloves on, with bleach and a toilet brush. Alright, the pastor of a good-sized church. That's a picture of servanthood. And we ought to be the first ones to serve in opportunities when we have chance. When we're at work, when they're looking, a job needs to be done. We as Christians ought to set the example to be the first one to jump at those jobs. My boss, I admire her so much. And I admire so many things about my boss at YouthReach. And um. One of the things I admire about her is as a leader, she's the first one to get her hands dirty. The number of times I've seen her mopping the floor or unclogging toilets, um, I can't even tell you how many times it's done. I don't know what's happened. I come out and here she is in the toilet plunging away and all that stuff, mopping the floor and going back to the office to do her work. That's that. what Emer ought to be us in tough times. People know, most people in our work know that we're believers if we've been there long enough. And we ought to be the ones who are the hardest. And I can back that up through scripture. Over and over again, we're told to do our best. We're to serve people. We're to serve our employer as if we're serving Christ. And I love that example of Paul here. He's doing the dirty work of picking up sticks for the fire. And there's just been a storm, so it's, it's mucky, it's dirty. And here's Paul picking up sticks to bring to the fire. What an example that is to what, how we should believe, we should behave as believers. So he's picking up, he's picking up wood for the fire and a snake bites him. And what happens next? AJ, right? I got William, didn't I? Yeah, yeah AJ? Well, he asked over there and then Sorry? Nothing. Yeah, nothing happened. He shakes the snake off into the fire, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, he shakes the snake off into the fire. Another miracle. So Paul's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bit. He's been stoned. He's been arrested. He's been imprisoned. He may have some some Bible scholars say he was actually killed and was raised from the dead um, when he, he was left outside. He was left for dead outside the city after being stoned. And now he's snake bit. Does he get deterred from going to Rome? He still doesn't stop. I tell you what. I think by me by that time. 
If I had all the marks on my body, bruises and cuts and scrapes from being stoned, being on that shipwreck, getting snake bit, I, I don't know if I would have kept going. Early in our ministry here, we um, back in 2002, uh, the church had started to grow a little bit. You know this story. And all of a sudden, church people made a demand. I couldn't, I couldn't accept their demand. And they all left. And um, some of my old friends remember that day. And I was so discouraged. I, 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 and yet I went out that morning, the next morning, and I walked down the canal. And there used to be an old blue um, bench up at Tandy's Bridge. And I sat on the bench, and I prayed, and I gave out to God. I said, God, I've had enough. I'm getting out of here. I can't take anymore. And since I said, I quit. And I don't know much about God talking to us in an audible voice. But it might as well be an audible voice because I remembered like it was yesterday. God said, I'll tell you when to leave. I can say that because that's biblical. All right? It's not just a dream out of the sky. Next day, we went to try to talk to one of the people and we were pulling out of the estate and I told Mary, I said, I'm just, I think we should move. I think we should go somewhere else. I'm tired of this. And she challenged, that day she challenged my heart about the kids that we had in kids club. And, um, opposition comes. And all God wants us to do is be faithful. Started, came back. And it was just our it was just our family in church for many 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 months. It was just our family in church, and the number of times you want to quit and you say I just can't do anymore, but God just says keep going. It's it's required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. That's all I went through. I wasn't snake bit. I wasn't shipwrecked. I didn't spend two weeks in a storm on the sea. I wasn't stoned. Yet I was ready to quit, guys. We need to stay. We're, we need to stay at the task that God gives us, and be persistent. And Paul knew he had to go to Rome. I want to stop, but I want to. I, I, I'm, I'm going to move on because I want to get to the end when Paul gets to Rome. They finally, chapter 28. Um, they land in Italy. Um, how long was the next sea voyage, guys? When they're when they're making their way to Italy, and that's David. Sorry, three months they sailed. To Italy, they land in Italy. We find ourselves down in chapter um, at the end of the, of the chapter. There, they land in Italy. Um, they had the wonderful blessing of of meeting believers. Twice God sends believers that way. Um, what a blessing that must have been! After the storm, let me see. We're down in verse thirteen, I think, of chapter twenty-eight. Now, when we had circled around and reached Rigium, and after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to. Pu- Pu- Putoli, and there we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days and then we went towards Rome. Don't you like that? They met the brethren and what did he do next? I've got to go to Rome. They went on towards Rome. But I love the fact that they found brethren. I love that picture just boggles my mind. You ever been in a place where you felt all alone? Felt like you were the only Christian in the area. And then you meet a brother in Christ. And an absolute delight. I remember we first met, some of you remember Conrad. He says he's coming back here. Um, on faith. He told me he's going to move back to Ireland. So I remember Conrad. I remember when we were in Superquin 
and Mary is looking for um, cupcake papers or something. I still don't know what they're properly called, but you know the little papers you make cupcakes in? All right, whatever they are. And she talked to Conrad, and and Conrad didn't have any English. He not only did he not know what cupcake papers were, he didn't understand her English. But we're standing there, and Conrad says, "Are you Christian?" Wasn't something like that. It was very very basic. <laughs> Conrad said, "You're a Christian," and he, yeah, we are. He said, "Me too." You know what that does? The joy it gives you? We were up at the top on going to Glendalock. We were up at the top at the top of Glendalock, you know where the the um, the power plant is, where you stop at the top and see the scenery. And we're standing at the top of that and this couple walks up out of nowhere. And I knew they were believers. And they said the same thing. You're a Christian, aren't you? It happened at the bus stop in Nace one day. Are you a Christian? How, how do we know that? How does that happen? And these believers come to meet Paul. Meeting a believer, I look at this room this morning and I am overwhelmed of where God has brought believers from to be in this service this morning all over the world. And there's nothing more encouraging. And they spent seven days just fellowshipping with those believers. Isn't that amazing? I don't think we can have too much fellowship. That's one of the reasons why we switched to having a meal every month to kind of give us a reason to stay together in fellowship after the service. We need each other. After the storm, after the snake bite, imagine how Paul must have felt when he saw those believers. How blessed he must have been. But he keeps plodding on. I'm trying to give you some of the intensity. He keeps plodding away here. We get down to verse 19. It came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. And when they came together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have come, I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our fathers, yet I've been delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem uh, into the hands of the Romans. So he's been arrested now, all right? Um, he's been arrested now uh, when they examined me, wanting to let me go because there was no cause for me to be put in death. He goes on to talk about why he came. When the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. So what does Paul do now? Here he is again. He's looking at the Jews and he starts preaching to them. And the rest of the chapter, Paul goes on. He, what is he, he talks about, he, he quotes the Old Testament. He preaches, he gives them the gospel. He said, now, and some, some did not believe him. Some believed him. He says the gospel down in verse 28. He says the gospel is going to go to the Jews. Um, he preached the gospel clearly. And, and boy, what a blessing. Now he's, now he's imprisoned in, in a sense. And he's preaching the gospel. He couldn't stop the man. He could not. He, he literally couldn't stop. What is, I, I love, I wish you could see the, the thing that was on Netflix that we saw in the book of Acts. I love the character who was cast as Paul. Because whenever I look at Paul, that's exactly what this, how this guy portrayed the role. He just couldn't stop preaching. They told him to shut up and he kept preaching. They threw him in jail. He kept preaching. He got to the synagogue and I love the last time you see him in that whole series, he's shoving the doors of the temple open. And Barnabas saying, where are you going? I've got to preach to him. And you see him going through the doors. I'll tell you what, this preacher doesn't have anywhere near that kind of tenacity to share the gospel. Doesn't take much to put me off. All it takes is a funny look, um, a little bit of mocking, um, a 
suspicion that I might be mocked will stop me. But Paul just kept going. He kept going and going and going. And then, and then, um, we get to the end of the chapter and, uh, he's done preaching. He's, then the chapter comes to a close. Where, where did Paul live when he was in Rome this time, boys? Um, back to Hudson, right? He lived in a rented house, so he had some freedom. Now he's gonna come back. He's gonna be arrested again in jail. And what's the end of verse 31? What does he do those two years? He preached the kingdom of God and taught the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and nobody forbade him. Two years living as a prisoner in Rome, Paul is faithfully preaching the gospel. I, I, I bet that guy woke up every morning while he was in his rented house praising God and saying, I'm here. I'm where God put me. I can't believe I'm actually here. I get to be in Rome preaching the gospel. I remember the day we got to Ireland. 25 years ago yesterday was the day we arrived in Ireland. 25th of January, 25 years ago. And I put up a picture on Facebook on Friday of us leaving Ireland. And I'm kind of sad that we left so blithely, you know. We were so anxious to go that we left dear, dear friends that we still miss. But I got here. We got here on, we got here on a Wednesday. And we went to church Wednesday night. And I started teaching in the Bible Institute on Saturday. And I woke up and I said, We're here. We're where God wants us to be. We're in Ireland. And 25 years later, we're still here. I, 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 just do what God wants you to do. It's that simple. Don't be stopped. The whole book of Acts is all about not quitting on the way to doing what God wants you to do. So finally, William, can you tell me what the whole book of Acts is about? I'm sorry? I can't hear him. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, keep going. Now, I want to close quickly. We're going, to, I'm, we're going into... I don't know how, how long time is it. Yeah, no, it's a good time. We have good timing. All right. Now, Paul, after this, when Acts ends, Paul is released. He probably makes another missionary journey. He's rearrested near Ephesus. And that's where he writes the book of 2 Timothy, which, God willing, we're going to start looking at next week. But I want you to look at... The, you know how you're never supposed to look at the end of a story? I want us to look, I want us to look at the end of 2 Timothy before we look at the rest of the book. As Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he's writing his last words, and Paul says goodbye. And I thought this was a good time for us to hear Paul say goodbye. He's finished his court. Well, let's see what, let's see what Paul says. He, he wrote several letters in Rome, um, while he was preaching and teaching. Uh, he got, he was released back out preaching the gospel again. And, um, then we find him at the very end of 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is one of those passages of scripture that I just, I can hardly read it. Okay? He's, 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 Paul knows he's done. He's going to be beheaded. He must have, I think he's already received his death sentence. Um, I think he's just waiting for the executioner to come in, to come in. Uh, I think they, I think he was beheaded according to, according to tradition. Uh, but look what he says in verse 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 8. Here's a guy we really ought to love by now. After spending a year with Paul, we ought, at least ought to be appreciating him now. And um, I, I've, I've told people since I first got saved that after I spend two or three thousand years with Jesus, <coughs> I was in heaven. I want to spend a few hundred years with Paul. 
I just can't imagine picking this guy's brain. And, and I, he just, he astounds me. Verse 6 through 8, alright? He says this. He says, I'm already being, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In the time of my departures at hand, I'm leaving now, guys. This is it. It's time to go. Verse 8, verse 7, he says something that I, it's, it's my, it's my desire. It's my goal that I get through life and I'm able to say what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> I have fought the good fight, fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If there is one three-headed goal that every believer in this room ought to have, is that by the grace of God, we'd fight the good fight, we'd finish the race, and we'd keep the faith. Guys, stay faithful to what God has called you to do. I can't think of a greater human example. Well, and obviously Jesus, when he Jesus was obedient even to the, his death on the cross. And you say, well, that's God. Well, okay. That is, that it was God. But this was a man just like you and me. He had flaws. He got angry. He was able, he, he was able to be divisive when he and Barnabas split up. It was an ugly scene. He and Peter had a row. Um, a lot like us. A lot of, a lot of Bible commentators make me really appreciate him because they said he was probably, um, older, balding, and fat. So, that's an easy one for me to identify with. Okay? I don't know if that's true or not. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Then he said, henceforth, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Not to me only, but all those who have loved his appearing. There's a promise, a reward promise for those of us who love are waiting for the coming of Christ uh, one of my favorite songwriters is Fanny Crosby um, and then there's another song called um, When I Shall See Him Face to Face what a joy that's going to be when we finally get to see Jesus again <clears throat> we have that crown the count, the, um, laid up the crown, the, the crown of righteousness not only that though he's very very sad and these are terrible verses to read Terribly sad in verses 9 through 16. Be diligent, he says to Timothy. Come to me quickly. Look at the list here. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and was de- departed for Thessalonica. Cretans for Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. People that left him. Only Luke is still with me. Get John Mark. Huge blessing in there because Paul had rejected John Mark. Remember that? <laughs> you can tell I love this little passage of scripture. Get John Mark <coughs> because he's faithful. He what's to say? Um, he's useful to me for the ministry. <laughs> he had the humility to say I was wrong about Mark. Bring him. And he says, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Um, look at verse 13. The, hu- the humanity here is just gut-wrenching. 
bring the cloak that I left with, with Carpus at Troas when you come. Bring the books, especially the parchments. He's looking for the scriptures. And I'm here at the end of his life. But he says, bring my coat. And back to this again. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his his works. You must be aware of him because he um, he has greatly resisted our words. In my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsake all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Shipwrecks, stonings, arrest, imprisonments, snake bites. <coughs> And betrayal. <clears throat> Which do you think hurt him the worst? Out of all those things. You ever been forsaken by friends? You ever been forsaken by Christian friends? It's a terrible experience, isn't it? And Paul went through the same thing. I guarantee he would say, I'd rather be bitten by that snake a dozen times than to lose one of these men who left me. You stuck it out, guys. Remember the promise. Verse 17, 18. <sighs> but the Lord stood with us, with me, and strength, and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, that all the Gentiles might hear. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Do you think that promise there was just for Paul? Do you think the Lord is there to stand with us when we feel all alone? Is God able to deliver us through those trials? God didn't stop the shipwreck, did he? God didn't stop the storm. He didn't stop the shipwreck. But he preserved Paul through it. And that tells us that our God is with us through those storms. And what did he do? He just kept on going and going and going and going. There's no room for quitting in serving God. I know there aren't many Churchill fans in this country, but back in the late 1940s, Winston Churchill preached to a military school in Missouri. And everybody, all the journalists were there because the great orator, Winston Churchill, was going to give a speech. And he's the one who says, we'll fight him on the coast, we'll fight him on the sand, we'll fight him on the seas, we'll fight him in the air. And he said, this has been the finest hour and all those wonderful phrases that Churchill came up with. So he gets up to speak at the school and the journalists have their, their pens ready and they're ready to write down Churchill's speech. He says, my friends, I have... Some advice for you. Never, 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 never quit. And he sat down. Your walk with God might not be easy. You might be challenged. You may have emotional hurt. You may have family hurt. You may have financial struggles. You may not to get the, you may not get the things that you want. But don't quit. I want to be said, I want, I want to be able to say the night before my death, if I know it's coming, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a blessing we know from Paul. And he said, he says, do your utmost. He really wants to see Timothy. Do your utmost to get here before winter. 
maybe because he's bringing his coat, <laughs> part of it. Um, Eusebius greets you as well as these other believers there, Pedro and, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And Paul's done. So next week, God willing, we're going to look at the letter that Paul wrote when he was sitting there in that prison, chained to the prison guards from someplace near Ephesus. Thank you so much. I loved our study on Acts. I never imagined I'd fall so much in love with it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for my brother Paul and his challenging life. Lord, all the opposition he faced, all the struggles he faced, um, and yet he kept going.